0: Welcome to Film Suck, a Patreon podcast in which we ponder the work of art in the age of crap cinema. I'm Eileen Jones. I'm Dolores McElroy. And today we are trying to cope with the new Netflix movie, The Pale Blue Eye. Um, it's a murder mystery set at the U.S. Military Academy at West Point in 1830, a time when young Edgar Allan Poe was a cadet there, and he's a major character in the film. Um, Harry Melling is playing him. He is best known as the Wingless Thrush in the Cohen Brothers great film, Ballad of Buster Scruggs. So if you've ever seen him, he's an armless, legless actor of great ability who can recite from multitudinous classical works. Um, but he winds up being replaced um, in an act by a chicken that can I think, <laughs> pretend to count or something. Um, <laughs> at any rate, I won't go on about that. Though it's a, it's a kind of pivotal thing in that writer-director Scott Cooper, who did The Pale Blue Eye, saw that performance and decided that's got to be by Edgar Allan Poe mm-hmm. um oh some of you will probably know um him better for I think it's Dudley Dursley I don't know Harry Potter lore very well but that's the character he plays <laughs> um so at any rate he's been around a while he's a great actor um so he's playing Poe and Christian Bale is, the, is actually in the lead role he's playing the alcoholic supposedly retired uh and extremely gifted um detective his name is Augustus Landor Um, He winds up being asked to investigate this grisly murder of a West Point cadet who's found in the woods, you know, hanged from a tree on the grounds um, of the military academy. And his heart has been, you know, cut out in the most brutal fashion. So Cadet Poe winds up offering to aid um, um, Landor in the investigation, offering as as a first insight, quote, the murderer is a poet. And he says he knows this because I happen to be a poet myself. (laughs) <laughs> um, so The Pale Blue Eye, it's based on a 2003 novel by Louis Bayard. I hope I'm saying that right. B-A-Y-A-R-D. Um, and that w- that novel was was nominated for an Edgar, which is, of course, the Edgar Ellen Poe Awards, one of the Edgar Ellen Poe Award nominations. They're given out annually to the Best Mystery Tales by the organization Mystery Writers of America. I- I- if I had another life to live, I'd love to be a mystery writer and win an Edgar. But alas, <laughs> it's not to be. You have to be really good at plotting, and I find plotting insanely difficult, so... <laughs> tribute to all of you who can plot. It's really much harder, and you don't get any credit for how hard it is. Anyway, so this adaptation is by writer director Scott Cooper. As I mentioned, he's best known. If you've heard of him, you probably heard of him for Crazy Heart from 2009. That got Jeff Bridges his big Oscar um, as an alcoholic. You know, I think it was con- like a country um, music performer. Um, but since then, he's done three collaborations with—I think it's three—with star Christian Bale. Um, I'll just name the two most recent. One is Out of the Furnace, twenty thirteen, and one is Hostiles. Oh, I'm sorry, this is the third one. Um, the three are Out of the Furnace, twenty thirteen, Hostiles, twenty seventeen, and now this one. So he appara- he claims Cooper that he and Christian Bale are not only like you know uh, close collaborators on their films, but like best pals. And and Bale is indeed a producer on Pale Blue Eye. So, just okay. a quick warning before we start. As always, there's gonna we're gonna spoil everything. So, <laughs> if you if you want to go watch Pale Blue Eye um, before we, we listen to this, go for it. But we have some warnings that might you know make you not want to do that. <laughs> so let's start first with you, Dolores. What's your take on this thing? Okay, oh, I think
1: you, well, you're gonna have the much more sophisticated take being the true poe Eileen but um, <laughs> I, will, I will say I, I think we both have this in common which is that it started out really promisingly and yes. then took a turn half or two-thirds of the way through and turned into a very different um, film I, to set the scene overall I was confused as to what this was I queued yeah. it up on Netflix and I was like is this a series is this a limited release mm-hmm. it, or, or is it a film Um um, it thinks it's yeah. a film mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. at the beginning it's actually very beautiful it's it's filmed i thought i thought it was mm-hmm. the ex- exteriors especially in wintry new york state were were gorgeous Indeed, and didn't yeah. seem to be like terribly enhanced by computers <laughs> mm-hmm. and um uh, the cast is extraordinary i'm a big christian bale fan uh i like harry melling just fine uh gillian anderson's in it mm-hmm. um also um Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Lucy Boynton is yes, the name like of Poe's love interest. Yeah, she's fabulous. Um a blonde actor that you might recognize from the Freddie Mercury biopic. Mm-hmm. Um and uh I like the gothic atmosphere that they were be- building in the beginning. Um, and then <laughs> then the plot takes a turn for this, like, it, it hints that it's going to be almost supernatural. And um, things that begin um, in the human realm uh, seem to, like, point to a satanic cult. Um, mm-hmm. as the you know, the sort of like source of the of the murder and the violence. And that's when things get weird. And even to me, the the cinematography got weird at that point. And mm-hmm. then there were all these drone shots, and it looked like things might be cGI towards the end when there's a big manhunt. I'm not sure mm-hmm. if that's true, But the point is like what started out feeling modest and <laughs> and made sense and was kind mm-hmm. of well paced took a turn for the cray Mm -hmm. and um the dialogue started getting really cheesy and i started becoming very confused by character motivation Mm -hmm. and i I lost the thread of the whole damn thing so the pacing was weird and it got really cheesy and embarrassing by the end and um i became very confused about why people were motivated (laughs) to do things Mm -hmm. Mm um so i'm sure we can get into it on a more detailed level but eileen what was your take yeah almost exactly the
0: same <laughs> okay. and i was so sure i must have been i don't know not paying attention drunk something <laughs> but ah. i went back and watched it again to see if i did somehow it was all there and i just had missed it and no it just gets it's more and more like the wheels go off the track and it goes greening down the mountainside and crashes and yeah even watching it twice and reading the plot summary, it still felt all muddled and confused and what <laughs> kind of happened. And, the, and what did you're right? What had seemed so kind of quietly atmospheric and, you know, nothing huge, but still nice, nice, nicely, as you say, paced. The characters seem nicely drawn at first. It just starts getting crazier and crazier and not in a good way in then in that like people's line deliveries become just, ludicrous not only the lines ludicrous but like christian bailey starts off great and mm-hmm. starts giving these really long long line readings with huge pauses between each word and you're just like what is happening <laughs> <laughs> are they all unludes is the director not there then <laughs> i mean what's yeah. going on? and you really can't figure out why to what effect any of it is happening and it yeah. does have you know as you point out such an illustrious cast i mean people who are like very 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 famous actors and character actors Robert Duvall plays a little a little part in it as the you know the kind of occultist the the expert in the occult um very short scene uh uh Timothy Spall is in it as a kind of commanding officer figure uh um Toby Jones as a it plays the surgeon um it's just got a lot of famous people you know if you watch a lot of stuff anyway um uh-huh. british and american that's so impressive you're like how did you all wind up in this crazy ass thing
1: um
0: <laughs> but yeah starts off so beautifully i mean really I, I think it's a the blue light is a little heavy but I, it's clearly intentional they're clearly trying to do something winter you know and i know all about winter in new york state i'm very for <laughs> films just to see if people <laughs> can get it down it's much grayer and more desolate, but they make, make it intensely blue and it almost seems like they're trying to work with the blue of the uniforms, the extravagant, almost peacock blue of mm-hmm. the um, West Point uniforms, which are crazy uniforms, giant hats and everything. And even like um, um, Melling's, blue eye, or Melling's blue eyes suddenly come out. So it, it, you can see they're doing something to kind of tweak the image, but it still, it still contributes nicely to, to the atmosphere. Um, so, yeah, it's it was so sad because I was really kind of excited. The first half hour, I was really like, God damn. <laughs> this is working out not bad, especially yeah. considering, and we'll get into this, how there's there's a weirdly sparse number of Poe films of any note, like either films based on his works or films mm-hmm. about him or or a composite of the two, which often happens. There's mm-hmm. often elements of Poe biography brought together with aspects of poe works which certainly is happening here there's all these kind of quotes and references throughout including um the name of the title which is kind of maddening to people people are on the internet saying what the hell is that all about (laughs) Uh, pale blue eye is from a telltale heart if you know your poe um it's a description of the eye of the old man that the first person narrator who keeps insisting he's not crazy so you know he's crazy um Killed because he becomes obsessed with this pale blue eye that's got a film over it. He compares it to a vulture's eye, and he becomes mm-hmm. so fixated on it. He decides he has to kill the old man, to get rid of the evil eye. Um. So it's a quote from that, but there's a fake poem. It's not a real Poe poem that's recited by Poe in the film. It's about. Isn't it about a young woman's death? One of the typical. It t- is.
1: T- t- yeah, a it's a poem. version
0: of Lenore. Lenore. Sort of. So a lot of people like- are claiming it's from Lenore, and it isn't Lenore.
1: It's not. Yeah. yeah. But it's really confusing because the Poe character hmm. um, like says it to this character named Leah. That's the Lucy Boynton character yeah. who's his love interest. And Leah is like a version of Lenore. I believe it's he, Lenore. the Poe character even says that out loud Good. in the film. Yeah. So it's baffling because Lenore is a real poem. But the mm-hmm. lines he recites in tribute to Leah, who's a version of Lenore,
0: are not lines That's that Edgar Allan Poe really wrote. <laughs> So, for whatever. Scott Cooper (laughs) claims to be a huge Poe fan. Like, huge. Okay. You know, and I was really trying to read up on not only other reviews, but, you know, interviews with him. It's kind of, you know, uh, pulling teeth. He's very solemn about this effort. He seems to think he made a masterpiece or something, judging from what I'm reading. And it's just out of a kind of love for evoking Poe, tribute to Poe, whatever. He claims that the Poe he's representing was exciting to do because it's young Poe before he takes on a lot of the attributes that people associate with him. He's still young. He's still kind of charming. He's got a sense of humor. He's, you it's
1: know, a he's, Southern he's accent
0: promise. Yeah, yeah. Which, you know, he was raised in um, Virginia. So it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, he's trying to evoke all of these things that are true. Poe really was a cadet for a very short time um, before he washed out. Um, in fact, he deliberately got himself court martialed out of West Point. Um, so it is evoking aspects of Poe. You can argue forever how closely that's really evoking what Poe was like. And we'll get into what Poe was like, which is endlessly fascinating. Because um, he was so contradictory and impossible <laughs> and brilliant a character that there was no <laughs> containing him. And even reading about his life will wear you out. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, so, so it's really inspired by intense Poe love on his part. And again, liking this, this novel that won the Edgar. Um, but yeah, it, so it, it interests me to at least say, what do we think he was trying to do? And that's, which is what I'm getting at. And I, and I still feel a little vague, at least he knew to try to go for the atmospheric, which is all important. If uh-huh. you read Poe at all, um, his stories are, are so much just about convey. if you read Fall of the House of Usher, <laughs> you know, it can be almost obscure. What's actually happening other than a kind of central horrifying sense of some imminent terrible thing happening but there's so much building of atmosphere that's so controlled and precise in direct opposition to what most of his life reads like um that where was i headed with this oh i was on my way to a beautiful point um (laughs) that anyway that trying to trying to capture the atmospherics seems right and obvious but but that he is doing that at the beginning but when it's starting to go wildly off track it baffles me to think what they were thinking as they're watching like. First, the dailies and then the rough cuts and everything else. Like, what are they thinking they're doing? That, uh-huh. I don't know. <laughs> I really I don't know. know. And like, uh, can you
1: weigh in on this, I Eileen? Mean? Because I am by no means a Poe scholar. Yeah. What is Poe's connection to the... So the, the punchline of, well, mm-hmm. par, an important part of the crimes in the film mm-hmm. does have to do with Satanism. Right. The, the love interest played by Lucy Boynton, this character of Leah, whom young Poe is besotted with, um, is ill and um an ancestor of hers communicates somehow that Mm. she needs to make um she needs a human heart and to like make certain human sacrifices and spill blood in order to be healed and this has been like working for her on a temporary basis Mm. and i was wondering did poe have explicit like satanist
0: content in his work i'm trying to think and that doesn't strike me as right, but he had so much truck with all things that will strike most people as uncanny, occult. Um, he had so much truck with the dead. In fact, they open with a quote. It's from the short story "The Premature Bur- Burial," which Cooper claims is his favorite of the stories, and it says something about you know the you know the the, the shadowy area between living and dead, and who's to say. <laughs> who's to say what defines the two states it's not exactly that but it's that's the gist of what what he opens the film with and it seems a bit non-sequitur-ish to me because the rest of the plot doesn't really pick up on doesn't seem to be concerned no. with the shadowy area in any way so i was just again like what are you doing i mean premature yeah. burial is about a very real fear that people had in the 19th century
1: of course they're gonna
0: get buried alive because the tests for whether you were living or dead were so crude like holding up a mirror to your, under your nose to see if you fogged the mirror and stuff that people really did get. <laughs> they were famous cases of people getting, sitting up at their own funerals or getting, oh. or opening coffin lids and finding scratch marks inside. You know, that that's, ah. uh, was a real preoccupation um, that people had. So it makes sense in the context of, of that story, but it doesn't make a lot of sense here other than Poe was so preoccupied with death, which indeed he was. Mm -hmm. and all things related to death darkness you know dark forces in the world evil forces i mean he wrote the story the imp of the perverse Mm -hmm. you know an imp of course often implies a kind of devil thing but he he was arguing we psychologically we have something in us that urges us on to our own destruction he would talk Mm -hmm. about you stand at the edge of a cliff don't you look down and doesn't something in you just go go ahead Step on over. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a thing that we have in our brains that is, is destructive Okay, it
1: um, so, you know, does come into play the, uh, there is a prominent cliff.
0: Yeah, there's a cliff. Scene. Uh, oh, yes. Yes. In and the a, film. The death uh, at The cliff and an implied death at the end, possibly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so you know, I kept thinking, well, maybe he's trying. In the end, as things, as the wheels come off the cart, and things just get crazier and harder to follow, and more and more implausible. Is he trying to evoke a kind of way Poe could, in literature, bring you in and cast you into situations that are getting wilder and wilder? So again, if you just take an, an obvious famous one, is the telltale heart, uh-huh. where you've got an insane person who's insisting on how controlled they are and how much they planned a murder. And everything is very much about how controlled and smart he's been and how careful. And then... By the end, of course, he's going to leap up in a while and start shrieking wildly and <laughs> confess <laughs> to the murder to the cops who were sitting calmly in the room and never would have known because he thinks he can hear the beating um, of that horrible heart. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- that kind of flipping out process, which he was so great at conveying in, in literature, is that what they're trying for or who hmm. was trying for. I have no idea. I literally was c- all I could think having worked in movies, was you have to watch your movie I can't tell you how many times until you Mm -hmm. never want to see it again. Because you do so many, there's so much work uh, in post-production. So that, how could they have been sitting there (laughs) going, yep, we got it. this is it. I know. Yeah.
1: This is so, it's very confusing because I didn't see, I'm glad you brought that up about the Mm. unraveling. Um, I didn't see that. So, uh, Christian Bale, is the other key to the crimes that have been going on. He's the detective who's been hired, but it is revealed that actually he is responsible for half of the crime, which is that he murdered the corpses Mm -hmm. that have been showing up. We'll tell you why in a second. Mm -hmm. And uh, the Satanists um, did not murder the West Point cadets Mm -hmm. in the first place, but they removed their hearts. Yes. Right? Am I right about that? Yes. Okay. Because they want to
0: do occult ceremonies that are, what, supposed to save Leah. I yeah, they're gonna, this is where it gets a little foggy like how, but yeah.
1: Right. <laughs> so, right, they so they're going to save Leah. Mm-hmm. And so the um the Christian Bale character would be the one ripe for unraveling somehow because he's right. guilty, but he doesn't unravel. Um, Poe solves the mystery, he solves the crime, and he does figure out that Christian Bale, the detective who's become his friend, is the one responsible for the murders in the first place. But you know, Christian Bale um has like a I guess a, you know an emotional scene at that point, but it you don't see him like wrestling with guilt or oh no you do see him being haunted. I'm wrong. Well, you see him, <laughs> <He's-> <laughs> him being haunted,
0: but yeah. He's- he's- you don't see him it. falling apart. He seems eminently yeah. sane, and and almost like I did it. I finished the job. It makes him. Yep. It makes him a little weepy to, to when Poe basically destroys the evidence to let him off the hook if he wants to be let off the hook. But there's no sense that he's cracking up in any way, no. and neither is Poe. This is the sanest Poe anyone ever represented. Um, yeah. It- so it's odd. <laughs> it's just, I, I still don't know. I still don't know what they were going for. Yeah.
1: And, and what also, I mean, you tell me, but what also strikes me is that Christian Bale's motive for these murders mm-hmm. is that um, his daughter was raped and left for dead by these three cadets. So we'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. Um, that doesn't seem like an Edgar Allan Poe sort of mystery to me or like plot point. Is no. that something that usually happens in... In like a Poe work,
0: okay. As far as I know, I mean, it's not. I shouldn't represent myself as a scholar. I'm just a you know obsessive who went through a a long period of time of my faith, reading a ton of (laughs) Poe. At one point in my you know very short and truncated and not at all illustrious Hollywood attempt, it's not even a Hollywood independent film career. My last hope was to try to get a Poe biopic off the ground, and. Ah. And it never came to anything. I bailed up for then, but there were partly because there were so many scripts circulating. There was a period where a bunch of scripts were circulating um, on Poe, dealing with Poe, usually with Poe's life, but again trying to mesh them with his his content from his stories.
1: Uh-huh. And they're
0: all uniformly terrible. Terrible, and the and the most the funniest one that everyone knew about was that Sylvester Stallone had spent his whole career being obsessed. With Edgar oh. Allan Poe and shopping a script around and trying to get this set up. And that initially he wanted to play Poe. Oh my God. Wait, <laughs> And there's even a photo of him in the in the broad brimmed top hat. <laughs> oh and dear. Just like, oh, holy shit. And apparently he was prevailed upon to see. He wasn't going to be able to play the lead, but he still kept trying to get it made like over and over. And it just never happened. So mostly, as far as I know, none of them ever happened other than the John Cusack, the Raven one that looks so bad, even the trailers paint.
1: Right, so at any right. rate,
0: I, so I, just to say quickly, I'm not at all an expert, but you know, for Poe, it's the it's the languishing of the woman who's dying of whatever it is. Sometimes it's not even named. In his own life, his mother died of tuberculosis when he, I believe, he was I believe he was only two. His father deserted the family when he was one. He was an alcoholic and an actor, and his mother was also an actor, and she died of tuberculosis, leaving them orphaned. Um, and then his wife, his very young, underage, we would say, wife, who was only thirteen when he married her, Virginia Clem, also died in a much more protracted ten-year, I think, struggle of tuberculosis. Mm-hmm. So he repeatedly—he wasn't the only one. The languishing female Dickens—you can—you can find lots of languishing, dying children, girls, whatever. There was a big death cult that went on in the nineteenth century. Um, mm-hmm. In England and America, but at any rate, he was much more inclined to do that. Um, like, w- like in say, "Follow the House of Usher," you see Madeline, the sister who's d- of the aristocrat of the neurasthenic aristocrat, wander. If you read the story. Walk through the rooms like a ghost or a zombie without acknowledging anyone. And then later, you find out she dies. And then even later, you find out horrifyingly, she seems to have been she seems to have been entombed alive at the end. Um, but you don't know quite what lingering. It's almost always a lingering illness. Mm-hmm. It snatches these these rosebuds away, young. And yeah, so there's, no rapes and murders of girls. I mean, I guess if you move over to his detective fiction, and you get the murder of Marie Roger, which was based on a real case. Mary Rogers was a popular shop girl. She was she was murdered and thrown in the Hudson River, and it mm-hmm. whipped up some. She was well known among among a number of literary lights. People knew her. And they were appalled. She was very pretty. And he based one of his famous um, C. Auguste Dupin, first detective in fiction inventions on that case. So there you do have a murdered girl. So I guess that's as close as you're going to get to a murdered and perhaps violated girl. Okay. Well, maybe that's that's the genesis then. Yeah. Yeah. But But it's horribly implausible the way it's staged and the way it's supposed to have happened in The Pale Blue Eye. Just is wacky. A shop girl, sure. A shop girl. (laughs) <laughs> who's trying to live an independent life on her own in a world that is not set up for women to do that and puts you in a very vulnerable position, sure. Especially because mm-hmm. it was rumored she might be having affairs. There were rumors she might have had an abortion. There were rumors about everything that had to do with being in that vulnerable position. But yeah, in in A Pale Blue Eye, it doesn't make any sense. She's apparently a well-established, you know, respectable young woman at a ball, in a ball gown. Right.
1: And yeah, so she's she's you know of of the class to at least be invited to the ball, yes, to the ball. and these three cadets like presumably know her her who her father is, a yes. famous
0: detective. Yes. and they
1: rape her and leave her for dead. Like and make practically no in sense. a dark
0: alley outside. Where they yeah. are, and you're like, how would she ever get? <laughs> young, she would never young be girl unescorted? It would never have been unescorted. It wouldn't have happened. It would have been the most freakish thing in the world. So none it was of it so really. It's so mystifying. Yeah, yeah, does make sense. But you just have to accept that.
1: Yes. And then, I mean... and you have to buy into, you know, the rape ruins her life for, like, unexplained reasons. Um, I'm not saying that that's, of course, that's extremely traumatic, but it's mm. also a cliche of melodrama. Mm. Um, a very, like, old-fashioned melodrama that, you know, the rape will, uh, it's, like, her whole meaning <laughs> has yes. to do with her preserving the bloom and her virginity, mm. and once that's violated, she has no reason to live, you know? Right. That's the other ed- end of, you know, side of that. Mm-hmm. And it fully participates in that melodramatic yeah. tradition. Like I've mm-hmm. been sullied and I, therefore that's the only explanation you have for the fact that the girl throws herself off a cliff Right. and her father is begging her not to. And now that I have that context, Eileen that Poe wrote about the, self-destructive side of oneself mm-hmm. and the, like, urge to throw oneself into the abyss, mm-hmm. uh, I kind of appreciate it a little bit more. But still, yeah. <laughs> still, the film gives it this kind of, like, very well-worn, cliched alibi mm-hmm. that um, it's the rape that makes her her kill herself. Absolutely, so I found yeah. I found that, like, a little bit eye-rolling. Not that it's, of course it would be traumatic, my God, you know? But it seems so, like, D.W.
0: Griffith. No, very. Yeah. <laughs> and he was a big fan of Poe, oh, by the way. And did the oh, that first, makes, of course, the Poe first biopic.
1: And guess what he featured?
0: It's actually, I just watched it because I'd never seen it. It's a 1909, it which is quite early. Um, mm-hmm. And it's only like five minutes long or something. And it's, it's about Poe trying to tend to his, you know, tubercular dying wife, Virginia Klum. So there's lots and lots of her languishing on her, what's clearly her deathbed. And she's shivering in a garret and they have, they have nothing, which is true enough. <laughs> Often mm-hmm. they have nothing. And there's no food and no heat and no nothing and he's in despair over this and then he sees hovering over her bed the a vision of a raven and so of course mm. he's inspired on the spot to write the raven and then he mm-hmm. races out and you know there's a protracted interval for a, for a for a 5 minute film trying to persuade publishers to publish it finally the third publisher agrees to publish it immediately pays him and he rushes back you know, with food and blankets and everything else for her. For that, almost all she had over her was his own overcoat. That also is true. People, visitors would come to their terrible little home and find her lying there mainly with his overcoat over her. Really very heartrending. Um Yeah, so that detail he actually got down. And she's dead. She comes of back, of course. Too she, late. Too late. That's the too definition
1: late. of melodrama.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, it is a very pure melodrama with all and with the mi- the, the pantomime at its most extravagant of the woe is mm-hmm. me with the, you know, the start moves and all that jazz. So anyway, mm-hmm. yeah, it makes all the sense that he was a big fan. Of, of exactly that kind of scenario. But where did I leave off? I keep interrupting and going into Segways. Oh, it's okay. Just
1: that the daughter, the daughter's scenario, her oh, motivation yeah. for throwing herself off a cliff seemed right. very DW Griffith.
0: <laughs> right. Very, very. Yeah. And it's all about ha- you know, the women who are sacri- For a while I was confused about whether that was his wife or daughter, because of course his wife is also gone. That's another cliche that's recent, of like all detective, right? <laughs> you sometimes think, are men whose 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 wives have died horribly? You know, they're almost always these embittered widowers or embittered something. Their personal lives have almost always collapsed, and then that that drives them onward in their quest for truth and justice or something. So that's become a huge cliche of just detective, you know, content in general. Um, Absolutely. So at any rate, yeah, the wife is, I guess, died of an illness. It's she's she's given very short trip The whole focus is really the daughter as the giant tragedy, and of course, it turns out he's after the cadets who are responsible, and that's who he's killing. Right. Absolutely. You only find that out in the absolutely incoherent bursts of gouts of plot that you're getting at the end. Um, Yeah. Yeah.
1: So the motivation for both men, for both Mm. Poe and for our detective, is, you know, like a, a... gentle blonde creature um right. who for poe doesn't i mean poe's gentle blonde creature tends turns out to be quite monstrous and is willing to murder poe right. um in order to carry through with her satan- satanic ceremony to preserve mm-hmm. her health <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. but i also don't know this doesn't particularly seem like a, i mean it seems very gothic i suppose but not not really a hallmark
0: of like Edgar grell poe's work um Oh, but not really that turn, as far as I can think anyway. I don't know of any anything that turns quite like that. No. And it and it's yeah. weird. And again, I got confused. Like, did I miss something? <laughs> even after that has happened, uh, Melling's Poe is lamenting the loss of Leah. I'm like, what? <laughs> she you yeah. woke up basically, you know, with them about to On a slap. On a slap. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, they die, wind up dying in a fire. I can't even quite yeah. Somehow the whole thing yeah. burns them down. The surgeon is her father, and she dies, and, and he's lost his Leah. I guess because they want to preserve the sense that Poe was always mourning because he lost <laughs> his mother, and there is a whole thing about Poe's is he is he crazy? Is it supernatural? Is it what communion with his lost mother? Yes, um, you know that he says he practically dictated that Lenore poem right from from his mother, um, you know his, his his lost mother, and you know he was obsessed with his, with his lost mother um so that's okay. true enough so i think they're just trying to preserve aspects of poe however they however they get there mm-hmm. so there's a lot mm-hmm. of easter eggy qualities to the thing if you know anything about poe you're like oh that's that's evoking that and that's evoking that and maybe that helps you um it didn't help me <laughs> because it <laughs> seems so like wacky and what the hell you're trying to do here um yeah. and it just makes his character so inconsistent and strange it's very hard to reconcile yeah absolutely
1: and i couldn't get like a read on his um his harry melling is an odd actor to begin with but you know there's like there is a trend i don't know how to put this for Mm. these men these like very like um and I, i i like him i mean i think he's a good actor i enjoyed his screen presence for the most part um there is a real like love of these like very sort of passive romantic not perfect looking boys um i see it amongst gen z like people love this stuff um Mm -hmm. and i i just wanted to like recognize that that that's definitely occurring here he's like often rendered vulnerable especially on that slab at the end and there's really you know there's nothing like alpha about him um, mm-hmm. And it's just very interesting, uh, it, like contrasted to Christian Bale, um, who is like a
0: very traditional male in the film. Yes. And,
1: and it po is turns interesting. out to be our hero.
0: Right. And to look at the two together, because yes, Bale, Bale I should also note, is very, very good at period because he, he becomes so thin that he makes his face cadaverous,
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: cadaverously thin in a way that you'll see in all those old photos, because so many people had hard lives and labored in their youth and didn't get enough to eat (laughs) and were basically um thin in a hardened way so he looks very convincing in period he's a good actor Mm -hmm. um and melling is also has got the kind of poe cadaverous face he doesn't really look like poe but they do things to him to make him evoke poe which are kind of which are quite nicely done he has the almost cross-eyed fervor um even even like almost almost psychotic look that you see in some Poe photos where he's so mm-hmm. intense that it's he's almost cross. <laughs> he really kind of gets that that down and he gets the kind of uh, the erratic qualities of Poe. So there's a, a scene where they meet in a tavern and it's really, I really liked it, even though it was, the cliche now is everything's shot too dark and it probably is, but because those taverns would have been so incredibly dim, lit only by yeah. like, candles and lanterns or whatever they had. That it, it actually nicely evokes the atmosphere. Both are, you know, both are big drinkers. Um, you know, the the, they, uh, the detective has become a raging alcoholic, essentially, that is barely held in check. Mm-hmm. And Poe, of course, has already started down the road of dissipation, but he puts it in grandiose terms, saying, I've learned because he's not in class, which Poe was always skipping class, always skipping church, always skipping everything required of him, so he's never going to last at West Point. <laughs> and he already had a reputation being dissipated, he would just drink like, in a way of just pounding, <laughs> pounding drinks to the point that it was it was scary. Um, mm-hmm. So he does that humorously. He said, "I've learned more in, in places like this than in all the classrooms." Blah blah blah. So he has the kind of grandiosity, but also a kind of fey charm. He manages to. He's he's also lonely. Poe was not popular mm-hmm. at West point, even though he was a kind of notable eccentric character. One quality mm-hmm. of Poe that's very telling. He was, he looked so much older than he was. He was only, I think, 20, 21, but his life had already been so full of incidents and crises and crazy that he looked way older than his years and they would make, make fun of him for that. He was like a kind of old man Poe. Um, yeah. So yeah. anyway, Melling is it seems to be able to capture a lot of the contradictory qualities. You're right; there does seem to be this huge trend. I often complain of it with Timothy Chalamet. Yes, it's a list. of these uh-huh. kind of wan, winsome boys. Uh You couldn't lift, you know, 20 pounds, you feel, (laughs) and are just kind of there lingering and languishing. uh, It's not for me. (laughs) I'm
1: okay. It's like, it's a flavor. I respect it. It's definitely
0: not my flavor. No, definitely not I'm glad it's in the world, you know? If you just move over to Melling, where you don't have to have the dreamboat thing. Melling is not a dreamboat character. You're not sitting there sighing over over no. how his the mop his curly mop of hair weighs him down because he's so thin and fragile. <laughs> There's none of that. Right. Um, right. It's just he he's he's a he's great at channeling both a kind of intensity, a kind of obsessiveness, and also a kind of erratic shift, He's readily shifting mercurial qualities. He could have gone mm-hmm. even further if they really wanted to be true to to Poe. They mm-hmm. would have taken this further yet. Poe was also not liked because some to some people he struck them as so absolutely imperious and arrogant they couldn't tolerate him. But others would oh. say he was the most charming guy in the world. He'd been adopted by a wealthy man,
1: mm-hmm. so
0: so he goes from impoverished child given up as an orphan along with his siblings to sudden sudden wealth and, and big prospects. But he hated his step he hated his foster father. I should say never formally adopted him. Okay. Anyway, he, so he had no end of trouble getting money out of this guy, and that's how they wound up with a break finally, and then Poe spends almost the rest of his life totally destitute, desperately trying to scratch out a living as a writer, as a newspaper guy, as an editor, as an anything, as a clerk, anything. Um, he has a terribly <laughs> erratic career, and he's yeah impoverished almost pretty much the whole time. Um, mm-hmm. So at any rate, he could, they could have gone way further. You could, it's hard to find even accounts of Poe that line up. Is he the most charming cultured gentleman ever who could have been a classical scholar? He was so brilliant <laughs> at language and Latin and everything. Or was he the most dissipated wreck of a degraded individual ever? Or, you know, mm-hmm. the same Poe who wrote highfalutin ethereal poetry wrote rude verse, which they evoke in the in the film. He recites it to be a to entertain his fellow cadets, because he wants to be popular. Um, he actually did write, he wrote, you know, really funny, doggerel poetry, satirizing his commanders. And in fact, I think it was West Point that he, that he was going to come out with a book of poetry. All of his whole, uh, every, all the, all of his fellow soldiers chipped in money to support this, thinking they were going to get the funny a <laughs> the, the verse, and instead they're reading, you know, you know, the worship of fair maidens who die, and then death poems. And they were they were so furious that one of them said, "I don't even think the raven, which of course makes him famous, could mm-hmm. ever make up for that for these men. They were so bitter. These young men <laughs> <got> <laughs> this way that they hated him passionately the rest of their lives.
1: So that anyway, he was a,
0: he was a man so full of contending parts and moods and. Yeah, just an inability to live in the world as it was that he was just almost impossible to pin down as a character. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Melling does creditable. I wish they'd go right into a real biopic with Melling. I think Melling could do it.
1: Yeah, oh, agreed. Yeah. He was great. He was great. So, um, all right. So you talked about the uh, Griffith and Sylvester Stallone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> are there any other <laughs> notable either Poe-inspired works on film or adaptations of Poe?
0: Well, you know, there, of course there are. You know, if you read the list, there's actually lots of them that get evoked that I've never even heard of. The ones that are notable that people have heard of
1: <laughs> are
0: mm-hmm. pretty much the 1928 John Epstein Fall of the House of Usher, which. Mm-hmm. I I I was I discovered when I had to teach a, a class on the history of avant-garde and I was glad I did because it's just a beautiful and imaginative film and a great way of evoking um, the mysteries of that tale. Fall of the House of Usher is so so wonderfully insinuating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it's a, a masterpiece uh, uh, illustration of something called photogenie, which is an important concept for film studies. John Epstein was an essayist. He was an expert. He, I think he coined it, he might have. Um, anyway, he wrote authoritative essays on what this quality was supposed to be, and it was very much obsessed with what the camera can capture, what the camera can evoke, what the camera can do that the that the that your own eyes can't do, even if you were standing there at the filming. Mm-hmm. Um, it can do things t- the way film can, the whole cinematic experience can do things with the nature of time that, that, that are, you know, kind of um, evocative of how you experience time and allow you to think about. It time in the passage of time mm-hmm. the, the way it can animate inanimate objects um which is very poe um if you read about the of house of the, uh, the house of usher there's so much about how the family this desiccated family they're the last of the line of the ushers this aristocratic family that are moldering away in this literally molding old house that's falling apart around them but the whole landscape the stones the moss everything is it's somehow infected with a kind of sentience that is all intertwined with this uh, totally unwholesome aristocratic line, mm-hmm. um, so it's a perfect way to go at that film, to go at it through this kind of, this kind of impressionistic um, way that really, that really is a model of, of photogenie and the possibilities of cinema in that way. Mm -hmm. um so that's a that's a major one and it's it's not that long if i remember it's like i think it's like an hour long is that right it's been a while since i've seen it but i think yeah that's about right i think it's about right and then of course even more famous are the roger corman adaptations i think he did i don't know eight or nine of them he did a bunch of them many of them star vincent price um if all the one called house of usher they're mostly early to mid 60s pit in the pendulum the haunted palace mask of the red Death. Um, they used to run a lot on TV when I was a kid. I've never been able to warm up to them. I feel bad saying that. I think Corman's (laughs) very gifted. There's a film he did called The Man with the X-Ray Eyes that I still think is just a masterpiece. A little masterpiece. But just Mm -hmm. something about the whole quality of Corman. Horman's Poe films I never could get into. So maybe you feel different. Have you seen them? I, don't, I, I have don't. not. That would not be
1: up my alley, although nothing but respect for
0: Vincent Price. <laughs> yeah, you know, one is so fun just, under Vincent Price, you know, and he just goes yeah. for it 110%, of course, always. And yeah, he's yeah, kind of a wonderful personality. But it's just the look of the thing. You know, it's it all looks like, you know, I don't know, your high school's putting on some sort of Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, the, everything is manifestly extremely fake. There's always a bosomy women yeah imperiled who look incredibly you know like not in the right era i don't know yeah (laughs) i've never been but i but i watched them in that horrible way that they used to they used to hack them to pieces to allow for commercials and everything so i probably didn't see them in their at their best so i should Mm -hmm. probably give them another chance but they're among the most famous adaptations corman really went for it and just pretty much went through (laughs) went through poe like a devouring flame Wow. Um, there's, the, there's, of course the, the Griffith one there's that keeps coming up. That's supposed to be a, both about Poe and evoking Poe. There's the Raven again, tries the same thing. It's supposed to be solving the mystery of what, what those last few days of Poe's life that nobody really knows what was going on. And just, they create a kind of murder mystery thing about to answer that. Um, okay. and oh, let me, um, bring up uh, someone, the, the check, um, stop motion animation master, um, Jan Schw. Schwenk, I hope I'm saying that right Meyers' um version of all the house of usher pit and pit in the pen and the pendulum um just phenomenal and again a very very kind of impressionistic approach to certainly usher where you ne- there are no people in the in the frame and there there's no dialogue it's all you know the landscape details of the landscape, the build, the very bleak building, the the it's the mm-hmm. the decaying um details of the building, and the use of stop motion animation in wonderful mm-hmm. ways, so that furniture moves on its own, and it's and it's masterfully edited to convey you know, and the and the story is being read after a truncated version, um narrated over what you're watching, and it's. Just works amazingly, like you know, really an inspired little little short piece. So that and Epstein's Fall of the House of Usher" are both both great ways to approach Poe. Still, mm-hmm. it would be nice to have somebody, and it just seems like such obvious territory to go for, especially at a time when Gothic seems pretty pretty popular. Yeah, why right? there's a neglect of Poe? I just don't even get. He's super visual. I mean, like just think of again. I'll just use "Telltale tell Heart" because it's so famous. You know, the image of, for example, you know, the killer keeps keeps going to the old man's door he knows he's going to kill him and leaning in with a lantern (laughs) and just letting a tiny and opening the opening so just the tiniest little thread he compares to a spider's thread of light goes into the room so he won't wake him up and strikes the eye (laughs) (laughs) and he can't kill him when the eye is shot so he has to do this night after night until the eye is finally is open and again it strikes the pale blue eye and then he kills him in a frenzy and I'm like that is so cinematic. That is so visual. <laughs> I'm just like amazed you know, that nobody goes for it.
1: As you talk, I can't help but think of something, and the idea of um, the the desire to throw oneself off a cliff, the yeah. self-destructive, you know, whatever yeah. you want to call it, um, the the shadow yeah, self. Yeah, I I I think the shadow self is something that's like extremely neglected. Um, it's oh yeah. I mean, today, not in the history of art. Obviously, it's a major theme in the history of art. But right now, at this contemporary moment, Um, That is not a thing that people are comfortable with or, like, used to admitting. And I think that the trend is for isolating evil actors, evil people, Mm -hmm. especially evil people. We tend to put, especially in America, but in general, I think at this moment in time, Mm -hmm. we put um, villainy on individuals Mm -hmm. when we should be putting it on systems. Um, And there is a a related idea that Mm -hmm. there are good people and bad people people. And this is not true. (laughs) (laughs) And and one of the things that is useful about Poe and this strain of the Gothic Mm. is the confrontation with the shadow self and Mm -hmm. the necessary respect that one must have for Mm -hmm. the shadow self, which acts without your conscious knowledge Mm -hmm. a lot of the time, um, which acts according to, you know, dark ideas that are in you, but Mm -hmm. that you might not fully understand. And Mm -hmm. I think the danger of ignoring the shadow self is that A, you'll pathologize it Mm -hmm. as something um, foreign to you instead mm-hmm. of intrinsic to you that mm-hmm. can be weeded out um, and the second thing would be that you just ignore it completely and um, by ignoring it it takes over <laughs> you mm-hmm. know like yep. there is something there's like a refusal to reckon with simply the dark part of human nature mm-hmm. and and Harry Potter is one of these things most I mean I'm sure there's some like nerd that's gonna argue with me about that <laughs> <laughs> like you know I, I don't know I'm sure at some point in Harry Potter like they're secretly dark or whatever but they probably get, I don't really know, honestly. I've just seen like all of the films once. I've never read the books. But it seems like there are good people and bad people. Very. And, if and, good and every,
0: pe- every time there's a bad person, they turn them mm-hmm. good. Rowling can't there you go. anybody stay bad. So anytime, when I was trying to be tolerant in the very early years and watch these films, it drove me mad. <laughs> every time there'd be a character that you were like, finally, here's a really fascinating dark character. She'd turn them good. She'd reveal how they were really good. It even does it to yep. Snape in the end. I understand. Snape's the yep. only one I was hanging That's on crazy. with because it was Alan Rickman, and he was doing a great job. And in the end, no, can't do it. So nope. insipid. That that tendency, I just hate it so much.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah. it, it makes sense to me that Poe is not like, especially at this moment, despite the sort of like dark academia and Harry mm-hmm. Potter trend. And like, yeah, they share that sort of like, you know, 19th century romantic uh, aesthetic. Mm-hmm. But uh, like the media of today does not acknowledge um the 19th century, what the 19th century was really steeped in, which was mm. the, the the dark part of human nature, which, mm. you know, exists in us. And we have to learn to respect and understand, um, less, you know, lest it overtake us. Right. So and you're
0: right. And Poe is so thoroughly and in a complex way embedded in for most for most of his famous works that's where he that's where he is in yeah. what what are your obsessive fears what are your obsessive and irrational hatreds what are your murderous impulses what are your suicidal impulses? you know he's he's yeah he's so thoroughly in that and i think people love the idea of poe as you know, I think the dissipated wreck makes the most sense to a lot of people. That, that, that mm-hmm. was That's the sum of the man. That He was just completely eat, always eaten up by his demons. So that was one thing I did like about the Cooper Project. At least mm-hmm. he wanted to say, here was Young Poe. He could have gone even further, but he, again, he allied some of the complexities that would have been helpful. Turns out Young Poe was an incredible athlete. The last thing you'd ever expect. He was the fastest runner. You're kidding. could jump any hurdle. <laughs> he was a Practically a legendary swimmer, he did a six mile river swim that be- wow. went into the you know went into West Point lore. Um, but who would ever think of Poe in those terms as ever having right. been athletic? You always see him when he's just an absolute wreck right before. One of his most famous portraits is taken the year of his death, and he looks both insane and dying. <laughs> he looks so <laughs> awful, and that's kind of the Poe that we have. And I think that makes people content because. Uh-huh. You know, then, then they feel comfortable with, well, of course he was, you know, he was writing all these raving horror stories. That's who the man was. You know, no one <laughs> knows, or very few people, what a great critic he was. And he was just, I, of course, my critic's heart loves him because he was absolutely unsparing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so much of the poetry of his day was appallingly bad and he would, he would go for the jugular like nobody else. So it's it kind of delightful. Um, and <laughs> the, you know, immense control he had, at least as a literary man. He didn't have it in the rest of his life, so I think, mm-hmm. yeah, you're right that we don't kind of like the complicating picture. Even, even Cooper wants to go for; he's a sad, melancholy outcast, mm-hmm. um, and you know nobody likes him, and he doesn't fit in anywhere, and that's why you know he's so long. He's like an orphan boy, and he's so that's partly how he bonds with the detective as a kind of substitute father. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Or I know there's been, also a tendency now for cutesy dark. So you know Wednesday and Subverted exactly. Age Witch and all of that. That's all super popular, and you just kind of uh-huh. flirt with the lightest possible. It's not even dark. I don't even know what you call it. <laughs> it's I, it's just dark. an aste-
1: only the aesthetic has remained, just yeah. the surface, and like the the meaning of the works that like spawned spawned that aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Um, that that is no longer part of the culture. Yeah, Everything. Re- yeah, everything is good. People are good and bad people are bad or mm-hmm. just misguided and they'll be good eventually if mm-hmm. there's a starring
0: actor cast right. in that part. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> you know, so, another oddity about the neglect of Poe is murder mysteries are huge, huge now. Yeah, they, so they're, true. They're so popular. And no one does Dupin, who's the founding guy. I mean, even Arthur Conan Doyle. Is yeah, just weird. Like, oh, no. There was there was no genre until Poe breathed life into it. What, what didn't? <laughs> He steal. what well, didn't uh kind of <laughs> steal, um in creating sherlock Holmes, if you go back and read <laughs> purloined letter or burgers in the rue morgue or or uh, the marie roger um a story there's only three you're just like oh my god there it is the whole the contempt for the cops the the narrator is a friend the close friend of of the brilliant detective who believes entirely in his own Rational abilities to think through and understand everything, and does comes up with a miraculous solution that nobody else can come up with. It's just so even the sardonic, somewhat sardonic superior tone, Dupin just you know considers himself so so more intellectually gifted than anyone else. There's no comparison, (laughs) and he's not wrong. But you know that goes right into Sherlock Holmes, who's Uh, never stopped being vastly popular. So Mm -hmm. Dupin is just nowhere in 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 this world of eternally, apparently popular murder mystery. It's an odd, odd thing.
1: Do you hear us filmmakers, content creators?
0: <laughs> you know, because again, even, even when I was reading all those terrible postscripts, there were so many. Um, virtually none of them, only that that Raven one eventually got made. They None of them got made. They were terrible. <laughs> and I'm not sorry, but I mean, it's just a weird yeah. thing. That's There's perhaps something that's just still too uneasy making. And I think, you know, Dolores, you just laid it out. Why? About Poe, which is a very strange thing to say for a major literary light in American culture. Oh, yes. Yes.
1: Well, we're a different culture now. We certainly
0: are, and yes, it's sad and uninteresting. A lot of it, <laughs> really. <laughs> it is. really I gotta is. say it, it; a lot of it really is. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, well, I think we might have pounded Poe to death. Unless there's, anything yeah, there. I can't think of another thing to say. We got a lot. I, I out can't, of can Pale blue eye. Let me tell you. <laughs> I know. I can't think
1: of a reason to watch this. Like maybe this is the perfect time of year. Like right here in California, mm-hmm. as we're recording, it has been raining for a full month. Mm-hmm. Um, um, we did watch this last night in the dark with the fire going, and like mm. you know, that was pleasant. Mm. And I think this is not going to age well into March. So if you <laughs> if you <laughs> want to get on of this atmosphere, watch it now and then instantly forget it, which is what you'll probably do. <laughs> and that so. is right.
0: It's the I, I'm again I, the evocation of winter in any in any way that makes you feel it is to me a great thing in film because there's just not nearly enough winter winter oriented films we just perhaps it's the you know the long time location of (laughs) of you know (laughs) major studios and companies in california i don't know what it is Uh, there's just not a lot and and even when people do do winter they tend not to seem to feel winter but this actually the early scenes gets it gets it nicely right and i gather it was really onerous shooting because it was winter (laughs) winter in new york (laughs) state and that's a huge challenge we just went through our own you know apocalyptic storm so that that was one of my favorite parts of it so so also if you want a winter movie it's worth it for that and you know again, sure. some interesting certainly some interesting actors and so there's that too but yeah. mainly this is for poe poe centric um people who who like me keep trying to find something good and you know it's a sad cause but there it is all right for the poe heads for the poe heads all right, and that is that that's it for our episode. We're calling it the pale blue eye. Poe lingers on, sorta. Um, thank you, dear listeners. And of course, triple thanks to our subscribers who keep us in ravens and writing desks. Guess what that's from? Alice in Wonderland. Why is a Tell raven I- like a writing desk? Because Poe wrote on both. Ah. Oh <laughs> <laughs> if you're not a subscriber yet but you like what you hear please consider signing up with patreon for all the film Sock content instead of just half you can follow news of the podcast on facebook instagram and twitter join us in two weeks for more fabulous film talk on film Sock. Till then thank you all so much for listening bye
1: bye